with rockets coming out of its fingers, laser beams firing from its eyes. It's Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. That's that is one of the standout moments, Alex, for me for sure. It goes on for way too long. Oh, and, uh, maybe, maybe it grew on me the second time. You know, so I've, I've been yeah. sick. I've been sick this week, Alex. That's why we're delayed. Of course, we record ahead of time because we want to make sure our listeners get weekly releases every Monday. But we are recording a little later in the week for us and and listeners may notice that my voice is a little bit deeper i think it's my mecha godzilla voice this week <laughs> um but if, if you notice a difference it's I, i've been under the weather a little bit and I, I i watched this film about two times probably all the way through because in my sickness oh, did like you? yeah pretty much because i fell asleep a couple times and it wasn't because the film was like making me fall asleep. I just was not feeling very good. Um, and the first time I, I watched that scene, the song scene, I, I thought surely that wasn't just three minutes long. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning, I was like, no, that wasn't three minutes long. And that's where I picked it back up again. And no, it was about yeah. three minutes long. <laughs> hey, but uh, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. And we're still and we're trying, trying our, our best, best to, to stay, stay alive. Alex. Hey, I, I did have a question for you before right, we get here. into the movie. I've I've seen 14, uh, and not including the 1998 and 2014 Godzillas. I've seen 14 Showa era films. Am I still considered a newbie at this point? You know, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, I would say you've probably watched, you've definitely watched more Godzilla than most Godzilla fans. Yeah. I think that's pretty true. Like I was a Godzilla fan uh, growing up, but I had only seen like seven Godzilla movies. Right. I didn't realize how many there were until years later, like 15 years later. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it was a long time for I realized how many there were. Most people haven't seen all of them. Right. Most people only know of the Godzilla films in the Showa era. And I think our next series of films for a lot of people, they're like, Oh, I didn't, you know, knew these know that these existed. Yeah. So I think you're not a pro yet. Cause you haven't seen the evolution Godzilla goes through, but you're not a newbie anymore. That's for sure. I'm still just trying to figure out the pronunciations, but <laughs> the <laughs> amount of time that I've spent thinking about these films and watching them at this point, it's 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 a solid chunk of time. And if this were a video game, I wouldn't be a newbie anymore. <laughs> and it's not a video game. Right. So. <laughs> right. No, you're you're definitely experienced and there's if you listen to Honda, Honda's feelings on the future films diminishes. He doesn't think that they have a lot to say, but to that, I would say Honda had several films that didn't have anything to say. Yeah. As well. <laughs> like like most of them did, but there's a there's a period there where if he's saying something, I didn't pick it up. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this question this week, Alex, is because I've really, I think I've, I've started to really kind of become a fan of the genre overall. Um, I find myself like looking forward to watching some films that we've kind of missed along the way. Since we're just sticking with the Godzilla specific films of the Toho um, monster movies. We've skipped over some things, right? Um, right? We've skipped over Mothra. We've skipped over Rodan. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the uh, Honda version of King Kong. I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, oh, and, his like King Kong escapes. Yeah, Is that exactly. What you're talking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm just finding myself getting excited. Um, after we finish going through the Godzilla films, going back and looking at some of those films as well. Yeah, I, I am too, because I haven't seen any of them. Like there's a, there's a very popular one that we'll eventually do called war of the gargantuans. Mm. 
And it's at the top of a lot of people's lists, and it's the one we're just not going to hit until after we get done with this series. So I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like you. I'm excited to see all these films I've never seen before. Just last thing before we get into the movie, quick shout out to the listeners that we have. Um, we appreciate everyone that's left a uh, review for us, and I would also say shout out to I know two loyal listeners, my brother. And my cousin, Brian, they are both listeners. And I told my cousin, Brian, I'd give him a shout out this week. So there's your <laughs> shout out, Brian. You know, That's Brian, awesome. Alex. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do. he was in my wedding. So he's been listening and, and he's been enjoying the podcast. He's a fan of sequels in general. So this is the perfect series for him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You told me about that. <laughs> he's a sequel fanatic. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, there's not many people you run into that they say, I'm a sequel fan. Exactly. Most people, they, they, they only like the original. Like, most people claim the original is always the best because it, it has the biggest load to carry. Right. And so to admit that you just love the sequels more than the original, I like it. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah. His favorite series is Rocky. Rocky series is his favorite. Um which I understand. I'm a huge, I'm a huge rock. We can, me and him, we really just communicate through Rocky four quotes. That's about it. So, <laughs> uh, and I do have some listener feedback at the end that we got on Twitter, but I'm going to save that to the end, Alex. It's about an episode from a couple weeks ago, all monsters attack. We had a different take. We were both slightly negative on the film, but we had a slightly different take, um, from someone on Twitter that I'll, I'll give to you at the end of the episode. Okay. Sounds good. Why don't you introduce us to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla? All right. So, 20 years after the original film, Jun Fukuda delivers his final film in the Godzilla franchise. Fukuda, who has earned a reputation for being able to work quickly and cheaply, pulls out all the stops for his final hurrah. Dropping the wacky, over-the-top characters, Fukuda brings a seriousness that we haven't seen from him. In Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Fukuda introduces intergalactic spies, prophecies, and two new monsters. While the film is the first appearance of a fan favorite Mechagodzilla, it continues the trend of low box office returns, only slightly improving over last week's Godzilla vs. Megalon. But the question remains, when flesh meets steel, does Godzilla keep its appeal? Or to be a little more straightforward, do you like Fukuda serious or Am I just being delirious? <laughs> uh, no, no delirium, Alex. No delirium. <laughs> I, I think this is Fukuda's best effort. It's definitely his most adult film of the series and his most mature film as a director. As we've mentioned before, Fukuda likes to bring the spy element into the film. Last week, we had Megalon, um, the Godzilla versus Megalon, which reminded me of a Bond film. This week... I get more of a Mission Impossible vibe with our Interpol agents. Um, and that's not even to mention the ancient Azumi prophecy, which brought a whole other new element of mystery to this film. But what about you? What were your initial impressions, Alex? I think this was actually a surprisingly good film. Uh, even though I enjoyed Gigan and Megalon probably more than you did, I was tired of Fukuda's style during Megalon, which I liked a good bit, as I said last week, but I wasn't looking forward to this film. I really wasn't. And I'm glad my expectations were so low because this movie surpassed all of them. While I wasn't a huge fan of the prophecy aspect of the film, I didn't hate it. And it was kind of nice to see something new. And on top of that, we get some really cool ideas that make some of the monster fights genuinely thrilling. And the, the I just feel like the whole film was a nice surprise for me. And maybe you'll agree, but I felt like it was almost directed by Honda. Yeah. The reason I say not 100% that it, it felt like it was directed by Honda is because it doesn't feel like there's any attempt at any type of commentary, really. Which is fine for me. Some of Honda's films, I would say that that's probably true for. Like mm -hmm. All Monsters Attack. Even though I think you and me kind of pulled some messages. Yeah regarding kind of the sadness of the monsters and that type of thing, using them as weapons. But I think this is kind of the case for this film being it. The case for this film is that it's so well-crafted and enjoyable and the lack of a message doesn't matter. It's got a little bit of everything in it. Like we said at the top and it could easily 
have been crushed under the weight of aliens, prophecies, and spies. But it all works together really well. This is without a doubt a different film from Fukuda, who clearly wanted to leave the series on a positive note and experiment with something that seemed like it was out of his realm in terms of tone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. I think this is an action movie through and through. But just because it's an action movie doesn't mean um, that it doesn't have feeling in it. Um, it may not have the meaning that we've come to expect from maybe a Honda film, but it definitely had some feeling in it. Um, and it definitely does feel different, as you mentioned. At the beginning of the film, we get a very ominous tone. You get Angerus on Monster Island at night. And he seems very confused and a little bit lost and wondering what the heck is going on this island. We get the light that's coming out of the, the cave, right? And we're not quite sure what's going on. And to be upfront with you, Alex, at the beginning of this film, I had the same question as Angerus. What the heck is going on? Um, and that's <laughs> that's a little bit of the weakness of this film to me. Um, I can't overlook all of the plot holes, and there are definitely some plot holes here. Um, but fortunately, the characters, the action, the pace of the film – they make up for those plot holes, but I noticed them nonetheless. Um, I had no idea where this film was heading. I really didn't. Um, but did you notice the plot holes, Alex? Yeah, it's got some odd things. And I didn't know until I was reading a little bit more, but I think Angerus isn't actually on Monster Island. I think he's mm. somewhere else. And I think that's Mecha Godzilla coming out of the ground, maybe. But it's like you yeah. said, it's, it's, it's leaving me at, it's, I'm asking questions and I don't know a hundred percent sure the answer to these. And I, I had to read to find out, but I think right. it's anger is chasing down this thing that came out of the ground with Simon that he knows isn't his best buddy, Godzilla. Yeah. But well, it, later on, later on, it seems like Angerus is, is calling out to Godzilla later on. So that right. would be a connection to the beginning. Yeah, it is, it is slightly confusing, but I do like the tone that it sets because you're not quite sure yeah. what's going on. Um, it adds that element of mystery, and then automatically we get the prophecy, which continues to build that mystery. So I appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. But it, it, it's like you said, there are some other odd things about it. Like Masahiko, who's one of our main characters, is a spelunker, apparently. And this is only <laughs> relevant for the first five minutes of the film. Mm -hmm. And he just happens to stumble across a piece of metal used for building Mechagodzilla. Mm -hmm. Very convenient. And yeah. that kind of happens a decent bit in the first 10 yeah. minutes of the film or so. But then those those issues kind of start to fade as the film goes on, I felt mm -hmm. like at least. And then we also get like the Godzilla's new abilities that we just found out about in this movie. I mean, he, he gets a new ability every movie, it seems like now. <laughs> but... <laughs> But while it's a really cool effect, it's a little bit odd. Mm -hmm. So Godzilla, after coming to a draw and awesome fight with Mecha Godzilla, he's like seriously wounded and he shows up on Monster Island, gets struck by lightning, which I didn't know he was energized like King Kong or Frankenstein, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but he seems to heal. It's not hard. It's not that hard to buy really that he would recover from electricity, I guess. Right. But it's a new ability, and he, he's got this cool effect where his spikes light up, and suddenly we find out that he's magnetic during his final battle with Mechagodzilla. Yeah, it feels we, a little convenient, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, no, that was a really cool scene. I really liked it. It was like he used the force kind of <laughs> Dude, yes. I was like, this is, yes. this is a little different, but... I was connecting it. I was like, this has to be connected back to the lightning strike scene. Is is that was my only explanation for it? Is yeah, it, and it is. It okay. is. It's the lightning strike. I, I guess he became magnetic from the strikes, or I mean, that's what it has to be because the same effect that happens when he gets struck by lightning with his spikes lighting up. And I'll talk mm -hmm. a little bit more about this in our awards, actually. Yeah, but <clears throat> that same thing happens when he starts to activate his magnetic powers at the end. His spikes right. do the same effect. So it, nice. it is direct, directly gotcha. tied to that. You uh, you mentioned Masahiku or Masahiko um, as one of our main characters. It, that was another issue I had at the beginning of the film. I just felt like there were so many characters that were being introduced that I never got attached to any specific character. Now, I did, as the film went on, I did feel um, 
more affinity towards some characters, like the the main professor. He faces mm-hmm. an, an an ethical dilemma that I do think is interesting. You know, he's captured by the aliens, and he's asked to you know basically repair Mecha Godzilla. Um, and basically, the ethical dilemma is this: Is he willing to risk humanity in order to save his daughter and his student? Because apparently he's the only human smart enough to help out these aliens with their Mecha Godzilla problem. Um, right. But Alex, my my daughter will literally be born any day, and you have a daughter. Do you think you would have done the same? I would have done something to at least buy myself time. Now, since their scientists were apparently on another planet, and this is like kind of the military, not the scientists operating the thing. I probably would have figured out a way to send it out and rig it so I could buy myself some time at least. But I don't know because I'm not going to trust these people to let me go and definitely not going to let my daughter go. I just found out that they're super secret monkey aliens. Of course, I'm not going to they're not going to let me go so I can blow up their operation. It's 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 a catch 22 for sure. But I probably would have since I'm clearly smarter than them. They have no idea how this thing operates. I probably would in would have put in some sort of fail safe to get myself out of the situation. Yeah, yeah. So a few other filmmaking notes that I noticed. Um, first of wait, all, wait, 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 wait! You didn't tell me what you would do. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have a. I didn't have a solution. <laughs> I, I would have. I would have done anything probably to save a kid. You know, like even even the. Uh, you know, yeah, clearly we either one of us would have done anything to save the kid. But the thing is, you also know they're not going to let you go. Right. 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 But I think in those situations, it would be nice to say like, oh, yeah, I would take the high road and I would sacrifice myself, you know. But No, oh, you rig it. You have to find a third solution. That, His solution was not the right one. <laughs> no, that's smart, but... Yeah, I mean, if if I was if I had to choose between the two, even though I'd I'd like to say, you know, maybe I could be the, um, maybe I could take the high road. I probably wouldn't. You know, I'd probably oh, no, I do exactly what they asked me to do. Yeah, if you've got the two options, yeah, I would agree. But I mean, he took the he took the better option, and they ended up getting cooked alive until someone saved him. But yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I like that scene, by the way, but I thought it was interesting. But a few other f- filmmaking notes. Um, you mentioned this felt like a Honda film at some points. And yeah. one of the things that stood out to me is that that element of spectacle that we've seen before, you know, it's that editing device that Honda is kind of famous for using where he zooms away from one image to show another actor or another character watching what was happening on a screen. Mm-hmm. This time, it's usually the alien leader, um, Kuranuma, watching the action unfold. But I love that cut when Honda does it, and I loved it in the Criterion release trailer, and I still like it here. Um, Another thing I liked was the climax of the movie. I think it's done really well, uh, and it mirrors kind of action movies that we see nowadays. We haven't seen this really before in a Godzilla film where several different pieces of the puzzle are happening simultaneously and they're all important, yes. right? So we get the monster action, but then cut between the monster action, we get the human action who are, they're trying to escape. The monsters are battling it out. This, those stories are interconnected and it never feels like one of them drags on. The pacing of the climax is absolutely perfect. Yes. Lastly, I love some of the cinematography here and we'll talk about, some of the cinematography here in a little bit in our awards. Um, But I was going to mention that three minute singing scene, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was quite uh, lengthy, but I I really just keeps going. It does. But I really do like that scene. And I think it pays off, especially at the end when you get like two seconds of silence, you just had the song for three minutes and then you get two seconds of just absolute silence. And then you see the lights of the eyes come to life. And then you hear like an explosion. And all of a sudden, King Caesar is here and ready to go. I thought it was a highlight of the film, um, which really the whole monster action in general was a highlight of the film. What do you think about the monster action, Alex? Yeah, that's that's actually a really 
interesting thing to hear from you, Eric, because I know that it's not that you dislike the monster action, but it's not a selling point for you usually. It's never really a highlight a lot of the time for you. And for you to like, think that this is a highlight makes me very proud of you. You, you, have, you are no longer a newbie. <laughs> <laughs> well, King Caesar is, first of all, just is very unique. I mean, seriously, that guy, he's, he's kind of terrifying. Right, he's like a. He's based off of a a Chinese like mythological creature called Chisa, S H I S A, and it's half. It's got a lion head and a dog's body, which is hmm. why he is the way he looks. Yeah, and he's supposed to like bring like good fortune or prevent bad fortune. So it, I thought he was really cool. Actually, I liked how fast he was and how yeah, like that's, aggressive. That's what I liked about him. He's very animalistic, very like aggressive different than what we've seen before with some of these other new monsters. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think this is, I, I completely agree with you. This is awesome action. And I think it really all stems from a decision they made in pre-production where initially supposed to be a Godzilla versus Gigan versus the other two. Hmm. So it was going to be another tag team, which I'm sick of the tag teams, which we get another tag team next week. But it's kind of interesting because Godzilla doesn't really need a, or Mecha Godzilla doesn't really need a helper. Right. So now he's getting one. So it's going to be interesting. But they uh, they realized that Mecha Godzilla was just too powerful. His his abilities were so impressive that they didn't need two villains. And they were 100% right. And that decision really makes this action flow and be more co- coherent because you're focusing on one battlefield instead of two. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it's not getting as hectic, which is pretty impressive considering the amount of pyrotechnics that this movie has. Yeah. Like we have, we have more fire and brimstone than I've ever seen in, in any of the other move, movies. Sure. It's awesome. And it really sells Mecha Godzilla's like terrifyingness. Yeah. Terrifyingness, that's a beautiful word that we're going to use for now. <laughs> But they really set the tone with that initial encounter with Angerus where he almost rips his jaw off. Oh, yeah. And just brutally beats him. And so, very quickly, we know that Mechagodzilla is nothing to bat an eye at. Like, we, we know Angerus loses most of the time, but not like this. And not this quickly. And so, mm-hmm. it was really cool to see him do that and then get that follow up with that one-on-one fight with Godzilla where there's that awesome fight scene. I don't know if it's an oil field or what kind of place this is. It's not a city really, but they're doing battle and everything is on fire. It is the, it's the coolest fight scene like setting that I've seen yet. Mm-hmm. It's almost what the end of Godzilla versus Gigan was where there's mm-hmm. all that fire, but do that times three. And also up the stakes to where it feels like a, like a he's a real deal threat. Yeah. And it's, it's it's just really cool. And then you've got all of our heroes watching it from a distance. That uh, that monster moment is my favorite of the series so far. Because it's just, you really see the destruction again. We haven't seen this, this kind of destruction between two monsters. They don't feel like they're in suits anymore. They just feel like these... Uh, creatures, even though one of them's not a creature, he's a uh, robot. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really, like, even though that's the highlight for me, the 2v1 battle is a real deal. It's, it's the championship battle. And it was cool to see Caesar's abilities and they, they display them really, really quickly because he's super fast. He can reflect energy projectiles back at Mechagodzilla, which was awesome. It's like, oh, well, what's Mechagodzilla going to do against that? Well, turns out the reflection doesn't work on ballistic weapons. <laughs> so almost immediately, uh, King Caesar doesn't seem like that much of a threat anymore. And then when Godzilla charges in, we get to see them encounter all these abilities that Mechagodzilla hadn't even bothered showing yet, like spinning his head around mm-hmm. to create a, a, a force field that Godzilla can't even penetrate. And then also he's got a chest laser now and he's got all these things. It's just so awesome. And there's that really cool moment where you've got King Caesar behind him and Godzilla in front of him. And you think that they might be able to take him on. Like they, they've, they've got him in a pincer attack, but it turns out, no, 
He's just going to fire all of his weapons at both of them as he spins his head around, looks at King Caesar, and just lights them both up. It's just a, this really cool moment. It really illustrates, again, his threat level, which a lot of this movie does. It it sets up how imposing of a threat he is. Yeah, that moment that you you mention right there, that's that's my favorite Mecha Godzilla moment. When his head is one direction, his body's another direction. It just feels like moment after moment, there is a new ability being revealed of Mecha Godzilla's. But that moment in particular, he basically destroys Godzilla and and King Caesar and then just to just for like good measure shoots rockets off at the surrounding villages yeah <laughs> just at the end and you're just like yeah he is the biggest threat that we've seen so far um, yeah I thought that was really cool yeah and, and plus he can fly and then we see that moment at the end where the, towards the end of the battle where he shoots harpoons out and mm-hmm. impales Godzilla with like six or seven harpoons and we just see all this blood running down Godzilla. It's coming out of his mouth. Like it feels like Godzilla is on his last legs. Like he really does feel like I'm in trouble. Oh yeah. And then no, that's definitely. when we get that beautiful magnet. But yeah. <laughs> what did you think about all this? I mean, yeah, it was definitely the most violent film thus far. Godzilla Godzilla really does get it at that point that you mentioned. Now the blood is kind of orangish and, and weird looking. Or it's greenish with it the might, aliens. <laughs> I think it might be a TV setting because it, be. it looked red on mine, yeah. but may, it could be a ver- version difference. I, I don't just, know. There were there was some red blood in mine, but some of it looked kind of weird and orange. But especially uh, after it had been on him for a while, some of that yeah. on his chest, especially. I said, yeah, yeah, I see what yeah. you're talking about. And and the aliens, you know, they would just get kind of brutally slaughtered with these shots in the head <laughs> multiple times. Um, <laughs> but that one think, guy gets one in the throat and oh, it just yeah. spurts out oh, so yeah. violent. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there might be a, a small point to the, to the violence here. I know we haven't really touched on many meaning making elements of the film, but consider the contrast between Emeka Godzilla and Godzilla here. Um, the blood, that we see from Godzilla makes him more organic, more biological, more earthly even. In some sort of strange way, I think it builds the connection between Godzilla and us, humanity. You know, we also bleed when we are injured, unlike the counterpart, Mecha Godzilla, right? Who is out to destroy all with no emotion whatsoever. He's very similar to the alien leader, actually, Alex, um, who is controlling him. Of course, the alien leader gets a more violent end. He does. And he doesn't really react to it either. Now I'm thinking about it. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Now, I'm curious about what one person thinks about all this. Definitely. I think it's time for the theometer. Ometer. 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 (laughs) Welcome back to Femometer, Alex. And other listeners. How are you doing this week, Theo? Good. All right. Are you ready for the clip for this week? Yep. All right. Take a look at this. See see what's happening. Uh, Mechagodzilla. Yeah, it's Mechagodzilla. What's Mechagodzilla look like? Uh, a robot. Yeah. And did you see that guy behind Mechagodzilla? Uh-huh. This one? Huh? That guy. His name is King Caesar. King Caesar? Yeah. Look, what does he what? look like? <laughs> what does King Caesar look like? A baby. A baby? Yeah. I don't know about that. What does he look like to you? Uh, a werewolf. Kind of like a werewolf. He's got some spiky ears, kind of. Yeah, he there also he crawled. How scary would you say King Caesar is? Three inches. Three inches? Mm-hmm. Wow, three inches. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scary. Well, you know what? This has been Theo. It's the been mother. The theometer. All right. Thank you, Theo, for your words of wisdom. Man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he is just one of the wisest kids I've ever met. <laughs> he, he definitely week after, provides week after week. He just provides yeah, he, profound <laughs> insight into these films. Godzilla discourse will never be the same without him. Never be the same until we finish the Showa era and we move on to a new <laughs> segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we are, are we getting I rid think, of the theometer after think, Showa? I think after show we're gonna have a new segment. We, we can we can talk about it, Alex. We'll talk about oh, it. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. All right. 
But now it's time for our award segment. And we have a new award this time, which we'll get to at the end. Um, but let's start with the coolest character award. Alex, what you, who'd you have for the coolest character? It's got to be Nanbara, the first Interpol agent, and really the main Interpol, Interpol agent. I like him, mostly because he just looks cool the whole time. He usually has sunglasses on, and for the majority of the film, he seems like some nefarious person. But I like that it's just revealed to be this Interpol agent with really good aim. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, this, this this guy is a super spy Interpol agent. He is very talented. When He takes, oh. a, takes a room of uh, three gorilla men out at the end of the film. Yes, so. yes. I, no, I wanted to go with him. I really did. But I knew you would want to go with him. I do. Th- I do have a question though. Why did Fukuda never? Why, why did he never create a spinoff series with these Interpol agents? That would have been a great series. Um, hey, maybe he did. We haven't seen any other Toho films yet. It's true. It's true. <laughs> he actually does have some other spy films that Criterion has released that I'm interested in checking out. I think one of them oh. does deal with Interpol agents. So. Maybe we'll uh, check that go. out, Alex. Yeah. But I'm actually going to go for my coolest character award. I'm going to go with, I think this is my first villain. And so I'm going to go with leader Numa. He's just so straightforward and unflinching. He just smokes his way through every problem that comes his way. <laughs> He's matter of fact in the face of danger in a way that makes him actually feel alien. Um, just something about him that was so cool and collected. I had to appreciate him. Sure, his motives aren't fully developed. We're not sure why he's here and wants to destroy the earth. He's not very nuanced. But if we're going for the coolest, he's the one. (laughs) He is pretty cool. And again, I like that point you made about him being almost robotic, like his monster. Indeed. Which is pretty cool. But did he have your favorite or most memorable line award? Nope. I'm going to go with Numbara because he's just so cool. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if I could give an award to him shooting those lights out in the heat room behind his back, I'd do it. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to go with uh, his line where he just says, a fine night for romance. <laughs> <laughs> it just He delivers the line with the grace of a gazelle. <laughs> He doesn't even know these characters that he's talking to at this point, but right. it's all good. <laughs> yeah, mine's, uh, <laughs> mine's Masahiko, and he's talking with the professor about the space titanium that he conveniently found. And the professor's kind of explaining it to him, and he says, hey, this is space titanium. And he goes, space titanium? So it comes from outer space? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. is, Masahiko is a little dense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but about, I, I've also what, got the next award. Yeah. What about your can't believe the acting? Yeah. So I got to give it to my man, Godzilla. He makes one heck of a mime. So when he's using his magnetic powers, he acts like he's got a rope on Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla is trying to fly away, and he acts like he's got a string that he's pulling. As he pulls Mechagodzilla towards him. <laughs> so he just looks like a mime. And yeah, I was convinced that he was holding a magnetic rope. <laughs> so he could see a warning. <laughs> that was that, that was a standout moment for sure. My <laughs> my can't believe that acting award happens in that first battle between Keisuke and the hitman that comes to, you know, kill him. They get into this big altercation. It's a fight that probably lasts a few minutes too long. But then there's that reaction that Keisuke has whenever the hitman like grabs his face. And oh, yeah. He just like grabs his face really hard. <laughs> and Keisuke <laughs> acts as if he's been temporarily disabled by just a face grab. <laughs> I mean, it was quite a fight, but that reaction yeah. was priceless. We'll have to we'll have to practice that next time we see each other. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what was your uh, standout effect award? Well, standout this week is going to mean most memorable. I think I'll always remember how Fukuda must have stumbled upon some old Planet of the Apes mask and said, "Hey, I'll make these aliens by dyeing them green." 
right? Like these are literally just green planet of the apes people. Um, yeah. And the other thing about these aliens, I, I just don't think they're super creative. I mean, what type of planet is black hole planet three? You just give your name, <laughs> you give your planet the name planet three and it's you know, close to a black I, hole. I think it's supposed to be the third planet from the black hole, <laughs> which isn't <laughs> any better. Either way. So bad. It is, it is bad. But, What's your standout effect, Alex? I think my favorite effect is the when Godzilla is getting energized by the lightning. And we see it also when he's battling later. But we, they, all they pretty much do is put sparklers all over his back, I'm pretty sure. And light like 50 of them. But it just makes his spikes glow, like this really bright glow. And it's just this really cool effect. It shows him getting energized and... I think it's really cool when they bring it back during the final battle when he's activating his magnetic powers and they actually put the footage in reverse because they had the smoke like he ignites and then the smoke comes back into him like all the light comes back into him. It's really cool. Uh, So that's my standout effect. I like it. And you decided we're going to add a new award this week, Alex, and I like the decision. Um, Do you want to introduce listeners to the new award? Yeah, and this is a new permanent reward, and me and Eric still don't know what to name it, so... I think I like your idea. <laughs> oh, the, oh, that's a good shot award? <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> I think that's I think that's what we're going to go with, because it's always kind of surprising when you get those great shots in these films. You're like, oh, that's a good shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that means that it also is kind of like, we're part of the problem, you know? Like, yeah. we're kind of like people that are... They're like, oh, animation can't have good stories. It's like, oh, that's not true. Just because it's animation, it can't. So this is kind of like, oh, people in rubber suits can't have – you can't have a good uh, shot with people in rubber suits. It's like, oh, actually, you can. So this is kind of dedicated to that. Yeah. So you can read that multiple ways, kind of like all our awards. So what's your first, (laughs) oh, that's a good shot award, Alex? So in honor of our new award, I have two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Breaking the rules on the first week. That's right. That's right. Setting a good standard. So the first is when Godzilla is approaching the battle between Caesar and Mechagodzilla. The camera settles. It's like setting on this ridge and his head just slowly uh, (laughs) reveals itself. And it just shows like the most pissed off Godzilla I think I've ever seen. Like, even madder than when he encounters the Mothra egg back in Mothra mm. vs. Godzilla. <laughs> like, yeah. he is so mad. And it, I just think it's a really cool setup to a really cool final battle. And then I also got to mention another shot that actually I showed Cece and she was really impressed with. Like, she's the one that kind of pointed out to me how great it was. But my other one is during the one on one battle between Godzilla and Mechagodzilla. And it keeps showing our heroes with the fire from the burning battlefield and it's at night. So every explosion is like flashing on their face and the wind in their hair feels like it's from the explosions that are coming off of this battle. It's just really cool. And you can see in the distance, like the two Titans going at it. It's just this awesome scene that it really made it feel like this wasn't two people in, in suits fighting. It felt like two giants really colliding. Nice. Well, the funny thing, Alex, is that I've thought about recommending this award this week. I've thought about recommending it in the past, too, but I didn't want to seem too pretentious with you. Well, we already all know you are, so. (laughs) (laughs) uh, By the way, I'm starting to post some cool shots, and I'm going to start posting these shots that we're mentioning on our Twitter feed, actually, um, at MVM underscore pod. So I just posted one for um, our podcast from a couple weeks ago which was um godzilla versus hetera so check that out uh it would have been my coolest shot award if um we had it then but this week i had another shot in mind that wasn't either of yours so it was that moment on the beach that we've already mentioned with uh princess nami just the way that she is framed is fantastic it's a long shot and it's not she's not central in the frame she's actually positioned a little bit to the right but we get to see the scale of the scene. We see the entire beach 
We see the ocean. We see the sun in the background. Her kneeling position as well. It just it all comes together to highlight this juxtaposition between herself as a relatively significant or insignificant human being against a foe as powerful and as gigantic as Mechagodzilla. And then, of course, her song here is basically this plea, basically a prayer. Uh, and I think it's actually a, a pretty beautiful moment. I know you said it went on too long, but honestly, I think like in the midst of all this action, it, the fact that Fukuda wanted to keep that in there for a full three minutes says something about the importance of just that specific moment. After that moment, we get 18 minutes of two climaxes going on at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the calm before the storm. Yes, yeah. exactly. So exactly. that's a pretty, that's a pretty good point. I mean, I still think it's too long, but you've got a pretty good, good point. I like it. So Alex, overall, what did you think about this film? What would you rate it and where does it fall in your rankings? So th- this is actually pretty up there for me. Uh, I didn't really expect it to go this way after seeing so many Fukuda films. And even though I think we were both positive on Megalon overall, I think you and me have both kind of felt like he's kind of lost his touch a little bit. And the fun, the cool thing is like he dropped the goofy elements. He started focusing on a more fun human and monster story. That was exciting. And where they're both really intertwined. I mean, the monster battles are top tier. You've got that other climax going on at the same time. It feels fun without being goofy, which is something he struggles with. I would also argue that Mechagodzilla feels like the most formidable foe yet. Even more than Hedorah, which I know we talked about how awesome he was and how much he looms over Godzilla in size, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. But... This guy feels like he can do anything. And if he didn't get teamed up on, he may not have won. And I just like that it took Godzilla to create a new power to beat him, for goodness sake. You know? Right. But I say that, but that's not really true. Because I feel like if the, the humans, with the way they were going, they would have shut Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla down, even if Godzilla hadn't uh, finished him off at the end. Yeah. Which, I kind of like that. That even if Godzilla hadn't won, he probably still would have won. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is kind of interesting, but Fukuda really brought it this time, and I feel like because he went out on a bang and he really gave me everything I was looking for in a Godzilla movie. I have to give this like a solid seven point five out of ten. I I wanted to do an eight. I'm trying to be realistic here. You're, you're saying this is a three point seven five out of five because we've always been using a five okay. system. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Is this what you're saying, Alex? You know what's funny about that, Eric? I was on Letterboxd right before we got on doing my ratings and stuff. And I was looking at it. I was like, why? I was like, none of this adds up to 7.5. I'm like, I'm like, but that's okay. I think on our podcast, we do uh, (laughs) a score out of 10. We've always done it out of five. I know. I know we have. No. So this is going to be a 3.5 out of 5. I got you. <laughs> my, my only pushback um, to your review is I don't know if Mechagodzilla is the most menacing foe for humans, like for humanity. Um, right. I think Hedera was, and, and Gohira, Gojira in the original – we're both more menacing threats for humanity. To Godzilla, I, I think Mechagodzilla is is the biggest threat that Godzilla has faced. Um, but overall, I think this has become my favorite Fukuda film. And I'm glad he ends on this high note. Um, he's a solid contributor to the series. And although I'm not fully on board with Son of Godzilla, and we know my feelings about Godzilla versus Gigan, I recognize that some fans do love these films dearly and I understand their sentiments, but for this film specifically, I think Fukuda blends so many of those cool elements together that help me forget about the massive plot holes, those ancient <laughs> prophecies, um, Interpol. We've got the best monster action that we've seen thus far. In my opinion, this is a solid 3.5 out of five for me. And it actually ranks fifth out of the 14 movies we've seen so far. So, at ranks right after Mothra versus Godzilla. 
Wow. Where did it fall in your rankings, by the way? See, here's the problem with my rankings is I haven't looked at them. So wherever I put it, it's probably wrong. But it's probably in the top. It's probably in the top five for me as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Hedora is not in my top five. Mothra is not in my top five. So yeah. it's kind of. I'm excited for our Showa Showa era showdown. Sh- oh yeah, Showa <laughs> show era showdown. There we go. Now it's in your top five. I know you've mentioned that. Uh, your other top four, Mothra, Hedora, King Kong, and Gojira, are movies that you would watch again, like mm-hmm. any day of the week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is Mecha Godzilla up there, or is it not? I would watch it again. As I said, I've I've probably watched this film twice now because I've had to rewatch parts of it because I was sick this week and a little bit loopy when I was watching it the first time. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would I would watch this again. I think. It falls right there on that bubble for me. I'll definitely watch it again at some point, I'm sure. Um, it may not be quite as rewatchable as Gojira or King Kong versus Godzilla or even Hedra for me, though. It's interesting, Eric. I've noticed a pattern. Any movie you watch twice, you like a, you like a lot more the second time. Maybe true. It may be true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but all right. So next week, we're going to be tackling... The final film of the Showa era. We'll be looking at Terror of Mechagodzilla, and we'll be asking the question, when Honda directs his last, will the original Gojira remain unsurpassed? I like it, Alex. I like it. (laughs) It's going to be hard to surpass Gojira. As I mentioned, we did get some listener feedback on Twitter from Kaiju Apostle. Um, He pushed back a little bit on our All Monsters Attack episode from last week Uh, here's what he said alex i want to see if you agree or disagree with his take he says i think you guys touch on a few points of why i actually love the film it's the fact that it doesn't end with a neat and tidy ending he does end up talking about ichiro he does end up becoming a bully himself there's no resolution to the family drama again we won't be discussing the kaiju apostle podcast that film until next year but to me does those elements make it more endearing? Although I think Ichiro's dad being abusive is a little bit of a stretch considering the interactions they both have with each other. Uh, it does not seem very symptomatic of an abusive relationship. What do you think, Alex, about him loving the ending overall and also the point about Ichiro's dad? Well, I, I, I think I said in our... Uh, <coughs> I will say that when we recorded that I said that Ichiro's dad is not abusive, right? but that his visions or daydreams implicated that maybe his dad was. Yeah. And we saw that it was, that was clearly not the case with how he saves Ichiro from that man's wrath at the end of the film. Yeah. But, you know, I, I understand not liking a, uh, or I understand liking a ending that's not neat and tidy. Like he said, but I don't like that it has a message and blows it up at the end. I still, I'm not a big fan of a movie having one message and then just destroying it at the end. Right. I would also say because this is a film aimed at kids, I'm not, I I understand this point here, right? I understand this point. Like it actually complicates and and adds layers to the message and to the, the themes of the film. But because this is aimed towards kids, I'm just not sure if this is the right film to add those layers, right? So right. I get I get the point. I just think we may disagree a little bit on the implementation here. Yeah, and I, I would I would say like regarding my comment on it destroying its theme, I think it's okay to have it say something else at the end than what it's been saying the whole movie. But the problem is is it wasn't given we weren't given another perspective to see that. We were just having a character suddenly change for no reason. Yeah. So it does seem like he, he flips right. Kind of on a dime um, right. for no good reason for sure. So next week, as we said, terror of Mecha Godzilla, where can we watch that at Alex? It is on, uh, it's on the criterion channel. It is the last Godzilla film to be on the criterion channel. Unfortunately, and it's the last Godzilla film to be in the uh, 
number 1000 collection, which I'm sad about because I just got that. (laughs) Uh, But I believe it's in a few other places. I'm checking. You can watch it on the Criterion channel, Stars, if you have Stars, and then something I've never heard of called Flicks Fling. And there's a couple others. There's actually, you can rent it at Google Play and you can rent it on Amazon. So you you've got several options to watch this and it's not too pricey and you, you got to do it. I mean, you got to do it because this is the big finale. This Harvest is it. last show era last. Yeah. It's kind of, it's bittersweet. Indeed. I, uh, I, I went to watch, I was on IMDb kind of doing some final notes and I clicked on the trailer for this movie and it showed me the, Trailer for Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two, which is in the next series of movies. Uh-huh. It made me very excited because oh my gosh, the effects are amazing. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> Comparatively I, speaking, I'm sure I am excited for that. But I'm gonna miss these '60s and '70s aesthetics. Yeah, that we've kind of been in, enthralled in for the last couple months now right for sure for sure as always uh you can follow us on social media um, on twitter we are at mvm underscore pod on letterbox you can follow our individual accounts at al Cornette and at mr eric neely there we keep reviews of our godzilla films and our list up to date and lastly email us feedback mvmpod at gmail.com until next week alex you know what we're gonna do Try to stay stay alive. Peace out. Did you hear that nose whistle right there? Yes, that was amazing. And that's going to make it to the end of the podcast. That's still recording. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs>